Oh my gosh, we are at 120. Ladies, welcome to Biz Women Rock. This is your home for incredibly inspirational business stories from business women all over the world. I'm Katie Kremitzos, and I'm so happy you're here. I'm so excited to introduce my guest to you today, but before we get into the main show, it is Biz Women Wednesday. Every single Wednesday, we take just a little bit of time to highlight one of the fabulous women who are part of the Biz Women Rock community. Today, we're highlighting Rachel Bickle Bolin. And she is the owner of B&N Laundry. This is a huge assortment of all-natural laundry detergents, stain removers, dryer solutions, um, all really great stuff that's all natural. She's super active in the BWR Connect, our private Facebook group. So congratulations, Rachel. You're up to great things. If you would like to find out more about Rachel or how you can be featured in the Biz Women Wednesday series, just go to bizwomenrock.com. Kathy Sachs is my guest on today's show, and the reason why I'm so excited for this conversation is because um, she was a longtime executive at Infusionsoft, which is a CRM customer relationship management software that I personally have used for like six years now, I believe. Um, It's a great software, and she was the VP of communications for the long time. Um, She has a very, very interesting history within communications, both as a business owner herself and within corporate. Back in 2013, she transitioned out of Infusionsoft and decided to go out on her own. And her story as to why and what's happened since is very, very touching. So let's get right on into it. Kathy, thank you so much for being on the show with me today. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm really excited to be here. I am so excited to have a fellow Arizona gal on the phone <laughs> and yes, ASU, indeed. Arizona State alums. Thank you very much. Go Sun Devils. Um, <laughs> I don't think I've had another Sun Devil on uh, on the uh, on the show yet. So. Seriously? And you've done so many interviews. I know. I can't believe it. Wow. So that's yay. That's Way to represent, girl. Thank you for being here. Um, yeah. <laughs> Um, I am very excited to bring your story to uh, everyone listening today, and it's because it has been a really wonderful and tremendous corporate career that you've had um, with so much great kind of like business savvy and communication savvy. So I really want to bring that out. Um, I'd really like to, uh, if you could, give everyone an idea of kind of how you started into your career. Like, what were some of your first business aspirations? Uh, yeah, great. Well, um, I didn't. I wasn't. I wasn't born and raised in Arizona like you were. I originally uh, hailed from the East Coast, grew up in good old New Jersey, from a Jersey girl, and I came out here for my last two years of school. I came out here for ASU and uh, got a marketing degree, and I ended up just absolutely falling in love with the climate and sort of what was happening here. So I decided to stay. And um, my gosh, I guess it's like almost. 20 years later, here I am. Wow. <clears throat> and <laughs> the, so... The desert will do that to people, you know? I know, <laughs> I know, I know. Um, but unfortunately, my, my, my skin is going to pay for it in like 10 years. <laughs> in any event, it's so nice to be here, you know, when it's snowing and freezing. And, you know, uh, when I moved here, it was 27 snowstorms in New Jersey that winter. And it was the kind of cold where the boogers in your nose froze. Oh. <laughs> and as far as I was concerned, I was just done with it. So Arizona, I had some friends from high school that had come out here as freshmen, and I came out here, and 
one night at Senor Fogs, and I thought, this is it. This is the promised land. So I uh, came out here and um, really thrilled to be here and all the opportunities that um, that this geography has created for me. Uh, I had, you know, sort of the typical marketing coordinator role uh, when, I, when I, got out of, uh, I got out of college. And then thereafter, um, I ended up meeting my husband, who was not my husband at the time, and we started a magazine, a, a business magazine called BizAZ. And um, it's funny, that was where um, my entrepreneurial career really started, and that's also where I met my husband. So it's really kind of cool to have had that happen earlier on. And, and at that time, I was in my 20s. And um, from there, him and I just, uh, gosh, we were just two crazy entrepreneurs, no kids, you know, just sort of working our, our rear ends off. And we were able to build um, a really good, viable business. We had about 10 employees. And uh, there were competitive publications in town, and the way that we designed it was really around uh, Fast Company and Ink Magazine for the local market. And it was a print magazine, and so this was really before um, the internet was was, was happening. Um, and so it was it was predominantly a print publication, and then we ran events. And so um, we did that for many years. And some days I didn't even know how we were going to get through, and have enough money for the next print run um, because it was sort of it tended to be seasonal and we were just up against a, a local business journal. There was another magazine in town and we were sort of the young kids um, doing this. And um, I'm really proud of what we had done with that uh, with that business and that's where I learned how to edit a magazine. I became editor. Uh, it's where I was selling advertising. It's where I learned how to put on incredible events. And it's where I learned sort of how to wear my, journal- my journalist hat and interview uh, people. Um, and I got to engage with really some amazing people, um, you know, people like Jerry Colangelo or the CEO of Avnet, or just really, really interesting people from small businesses on up to large. Uh, and so we did that. And um, so we ended, up, we ended up selling that publication to Gannett, which we're really excited and proud of um, the ability for us to have, a, to have an exciting exit there. And then my husband ended up going inside of Gannett uh, and then I went on to uh, start a, a PR firm, um, and uh, and so from there I started a PR firm. I was really focused on uh, technology. It was a boutique tech PR firm, and uh, it was really pretty awesome. I had taken my experience of you know being on one side of the desk editing a magazine, and then kind of moved to the other side, which was actually pitching press and and working with clients on their messaging, on their positioning. Well, I would, and, imagine, um, I would imagine you had a really unique position because now you knew exactly what the publications were really looking for for clients. Yeah, and I'll tell you, it's it's, it's a reason why. Um, one thing that I hadn't mentioned was was at one point I had left the DZ and started a, and began work at a public at a organization called the Arizona Technology Council, which was like a community based membership organization that was there to help the tech community grow. And I was brought in to start a magazine. So I started a magazine there, also called um, called Tech Connect. And so, so for me, publishing into tech, I haven't really been as engaged in tech prior to that. And I covered tech companies, uh, but I got really interested. And then from there, moved into launching my PR firm. And um, yeah, I could tell you it was all really. I could say it was all really genius on my part, or it was all just a bunch of dumb luck. But ultimately, <laughs> it made me. It made my firm one of the top firms in town. Um, and really any, any of the tech companies that were looking for um, representation came to us. Italian ended up working with Infusionsoft back when they were 30 employees prior to their Series A funding. So, yeah, I think 
uh, I think you need to know exactly how to position and really think about making the job of journalists of, um, or of bloggers easy. And if you can do that for them and really serve them up an interesting story that has the right angles and has enough of the, of the sort of sexy, uh, but really also is, is grounded in substance, um, there's no reason why you can't get coverage. Um, the world of PR has changed now since, since when I was in it, you know, about 10 years ago. Um, but it really still comes down to those core fundamentals is really what's your story. So, um, yeah, I think, I think that connection for me was really a key advantage for why that PR firm was so successful. Well, I want to I want to dive back into the very first publication that you had, the Biz AZ, and then obviously into the Tech Connect. Um, you know, you you've had these experience building these publications, and I think especially now online, now it was, it's kind of a different world now. But so many people, you know, will try and create these online publications, and where they have sort of the space, and they're doing stories, and they have advertising. You know, what was in it in you? Because you had no idea about this industry. So what were some of the major lessons that you learned that actually might be translatable to any publication, whether it's physical or um, on a website, that people can really learn from? Like, what are some major, like, core, you know, things that you have learned that helped build that company to where it got to? Hmm. Yeah. You know, the first thing that comes to mind is in the beginning. So we didn't, we didn't have any money. Um, gosh, I don't even know what we were thinking in starting it. And, and from there, really, what we learned was in the beginning, the way it started was to connect content and advertising. And so, you know, especially in the local market, you'd have, you do stories and then those people would advertise. Well, what would end up happening was you didn't have this real clear division of church and state. And so it really wasn't until things didn't really and, and also we didn't spend as much on design and really get like the top photographers and get the and get really focused on amazing design from the beginning. And so about a year and a half into it, we ended up really making that change. My husband was a publisher, he was the one focused on advertising. And so, you know, I, I was church, he was state, or, or, or vice versa. But, but what we ended up doing was really getting clear on who we were serving, which was, which was local business professionals, um, and really with more of a leaning towards entrepreneurs. And that's where our coverage really ended up going. And so I, I really looked at that company, like I was saying, in Inc., as a benchmark for design. So I ended up, um, we ended up, Finding a better designer to work with, who was amazing, switch studio, Jim Nissen, he was unbelievable. And then I began working with photographers um, who I would just meet in coffee shops or kind of see some of their work. And it's interesting, um, business is never, is never just business, it's always personal. And so what I found was by really being a fun, um, uh, a fun editor who requires, who requires a level of excellence, but also is flexible and is really interested in creating partnerships. I was able to get writers and photographers and even the designer to work with us and, and do it at our, at our sort of little low shoestring budget. And it was when we brought those things together, the content, the design, and just a real clarity on who the target is. The audience that tended to be more of a, of a, of a, of a bit of a younger, a younger demo. It wasn't necessarily for like sort of old white boys network. It was for everybody else. And so um, we were able to really see things take off from that point to where we had, you know, all the major law firms and all the, and all the major banks and, and a lot of folks taking a chance on us and diverting some of their advertising from some of the sort of publications to now, um, to now working with us. 
and that was just huge. And then we began to bring in events because it wasn't just about reading a publication. It was about creating an experience, and it was about creating a network that people could connect into. So we ended up seeing um, great benefit and really opened up a, um, a, a quality revenue source for us that ended up really helping us take things to the next level when we began to to to, um, to create events and ships to those events and we would have an email newsletter and just really create a community, which, to be honest, sounds like, okay, big deal now. But back then, it was it was actually pretty innovative. Right, right. I mean, that's that's kind of like all the rave now, like create a community, like create an online community, totally. create an offline community, go to meetup.com, go meet up with people. And people get it, that that's very, very powerful. I mean, the Biz Women Rock community is huge and they're wonderful and you know, every person who listens to the show and everyone who's part of the online community, they're, they're plugging into one another and it's incredibly powerful. And you were doing that back in the day when that concept really wasn't as popular in the business sense. I mean, it's always been very popular, but popular in the business sense. It was really like, you know, here's company X, we're going to talk to you client, you know, client Y, and that's this back and forth and that's it. But you were really kind of what I'm hearing from you is that you really are this master communicator, which is very appropriate for everything that you've experienced in your career, which is you are sort of like communicator project manager. So you're trying to understand what the market wants. You're you're dealing with the, the customers, you're dealing with the clients, and you're kind of making your whole internal team work in a way that really services all of those points. So it sounds like you were doing that in the magazine. Um, I would imagine definitely in your PR company as well. Yeah, and I, I, you know, communications is really a part of the overall marketing marketing function. And I think the messaging and the brand, really the positioning, right? Who who are you? Who are you serving? And how and how are you positioned to serve them? Um, like no one else can serve them. And I think it really comes down to that. And for anyone that that's running a business, you really have to. It's sort of your north star, right? It's 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 um it's true north on your compass that keeps you honest. And I think whenever we veered away from that and tried to do things that maybe let's say an advertiser wanted us to do and it just didn't serve the audience or it just didn't even look the way that we would do something, um, because, you know, creativity and the eye for design was super important. And I think that's why when I look back and selling publications at Gannett, you know, it's it's one of the reasons why we were able to do that was because we were unique. I think often in local in local environments back then, um, I think now people people really absolutely come to expect a level of design. But for us back then, you could kind of have like these sort of crappy little publications and crappy little sort of you know events and gatherings on a local level. It was almost like it was okay to do. What we did is what we we turned it on its head and said, no, we do high quality and let's pretend that this publication is just like a fast company and it's serving a national audience. And when we did that. Um, it was a harder thing to do, and it took more time, but it was the right thing to do. And ultimately, you know, having my name on it, having my husband have Brian, having Brian's name on it, it was the only way we could have gone. So, um, you know, and I think when your question around around communications and the messaging, it is, I think you really have to come back down to what's your story and how do you get that story across and everything that you do. Why did you start your business? You know, what is it about you and your story that's going to resonate with an audience and why and how to illustrate that you care more than the next person and really showcase at what level you care, right? And that, and that comes out in your, you know, Steve Jobs loves the details, you know, really just 
being maniacal, making sure that your customers have a world-class experience. Whether you're making cupcakes, whether you're doing a, a magazine, whether you do accounting or you do PR, it's really just you know playing a bigger game. And I think that's absolutely critical, no matter what size you are. So how many years did you have your PR company before you really decided to transition into Infusionsoft? So uh, Infusionsoft was funny when I, when I, when I look back. Uh, we're in Phoenix, and Infusionsoft uh, is in the East Valley, which for anyone that doesn't know Phoenix, it's super big. It's like in L.A. without the traffic. So it's geographically, <laughs> we're just really far apart. So they had heard about me through the Arizona Technology Council and my work there. And so I get a call. Uh, in fact, I got a call from the CFO at the time, which, you know, was a 30-person company back then. And he was calling me because he had been given the job to kind of call a few folks. Called me and said, hey, we're a CRM company in, in Gilbert. Um, we've heard about you. We want to meet. And I literally, it's funny, I look back. I almost didn't take the call. I thought, oh, first <laughs> anything out there. You know, I was sort of like, I don't know, maybe a little bit uh, too into myself at the time, but but it's funny. And so then, so then I and I looked at their website, and their website was absolute crap. I mean, Clayton and I could just laugh about it now because he knows how terrible it was, and um, and they didn't explain themselves well, and it just wasn't clear what the company did. So, uh, so I ended up going out there, and um, from that point forward, we all just fell in love with one another, and so meeting with Clayton at the time, the VP of Marketing, Dave Lee, you know, we ended up deciding to work together on the spot, um, figured out, you know, uh, how the partnership would work. And, um, and I'm still so fortunate that the serendipity came into play and, and we ended up connecting um, because my career has absolutely been, both professionally and personally, I've been absolutely just, just blessed with, with having been a part of that company. And then I still am in, in different ways than I was formerly. Um, and I, I ended up putting money into the company, so I was one of the early investors before our Series A round of, uh, I think it was $8 million from Maury Davidow Ventures in Silicon Valley. So I got, I got in before that, and so I'm really especially proud of the trajectory that Infusionsoft has taken. You know, we're at 600 employees, and we've done two acquisitions. We've had three big rounds of funding. The more recent was um, over $54 million from Goldman Sachs, and, and more importantly, um, Infusionsoft is used by 35,000 um, 35, businesses all across the world, which is awesome because they're all small businesses and right. we're changing their lives. And I'm one of them. We we use Infusionsoft here. I, I'm a big proponent of it that does a lot of really good stuff. So um, I want to know a little bit about your experience there and a little bit about your evolution as a businesswoman at Infusionsoft because all of a sudden you really had a unique experience going from you know, being in charge of communications for this 30-person company to now, oh my gosh, like you have this first round of funding, there's a lot of press for that, and then you have a whole another round of funding, and now all of a sudden you're 600 people in this company. So um, to maybe go through a couple of major transitional moments that you had at your career in Infusionsoft and, and what you had to experience or maybe different lessons that you learned there. Sure, sure. Well, um, so, so there's a couple of details I just want to, I want to clarify. So, uh, so we were the PR firm of record for infusions up there first they had worked with. And so we did that up until the company was a little bit uh, less than 100 employees. And at that time, I ended up taking, um, we just ended up not working together for about a year. And it was a mutual thing, and they ended up working with a firm, which I helped find 
for them in um, in in San Francisco, and uh, and so and, and at the time I had ended up going inside as an intern VP of marketing for a web conferencing company here called iLink. In the meantime, I got pregnant, and um, and so uh, and I had my daughter. I was pregnant and had her in 2009, and it was in 2009 when she was about eight months old. Then that Clayton and I began talking again. He called me and was like, "Look, you know, I want to start working together." And then from there. I ended up joining the executive team, heading up communications. Um, it was a new role, and I was the I was the only female on the executive team up until about six months before I left. Uh, and so that was also kind of an interesting, um, an, an, an interesting position. So, so over that time, in the beginning, I was on the outside, and then from 100 employees and about there's 12 million on up to gosh, they're going to be doing probably do about 90 million this year, almost 100 million this year. I was part of that. I was part of that run up inside the company. Wow. Um, yeah, and uh, it's it's gosh. I mean, the list is just really long. I'm trying to think about what would really resonate um, for the audience. Um, I mean, I guess what I one question that I would have is like, you know, um, it, what were some of the challenges that you had in properly communicating since that was your role, like that company to the public and throughout mm-hmm. the history. And, and and here's why I want to ask is because, you know, business is always evolutionary. Like you're, we're always evolving. What you, you know, just like you said, Infusionsoft had this website back then that was horrific and they're constantly evolving. They're constantly getting better. And same with every single one of us. Like we're, what we have now is not going to be good enough in a month. It's it's usually not even good enough when it goes live, but you're just, con- you got to get something out. You got to constantly evolve. And for businesses like Infusionsoft to do that very well and put out technology that as soon as it goes out, it's not up to date anymore, but they're constantly innovating. How did you in your position properly communicate that with the public um, in a way that still gained confidence in you know, the services that they were providing while knowing that they were constantly innovating and constantly evolving. Mm, yeah, I think that that really comes down to having, um, really developing relationships of trust where people know that you're not going to, it, it's really, it's around trust and honesty and just, uh, and really coming back to the human side of the business, right? So Infusionsoft and its product has evolved and iteration, the amount of iteration that's happened on the product and, and even within the market, you know, we used to be just for more sort of information marketers, the sort of marketing ninjas who were selling, you know, uh, information products like membership uh, sites and um, online books and online information. And now we've really crossed the chasm in the last, I guess, the last five, four, four or five years, really crossed over into more mainstream small businesses. You know, uh, infusions like this for companies that have under probably about under 15 to 20 employees, you know, so you're talking really micro small businesses, but they're not for businesses. The product is not designed for those that are just starting out because as you know, it's not, it's not the cheapest, it's not the cheapest product on the block, Right. but it is, it is the most powerful um, for the small business. So when I look back, you know, a couple of moments were really, really exciting. There was, um, it was really coming around looking at my role and, and what I saw as an opportunity was to take the founder's story. So the founder's story there is two brothers and a brother-in-law, right? And and their interest in helping small businesses succeed. And and when we began to shine a light on that and really make it less about a software story and make it about a human story, that's really where we started to see 
things begin to come together. And really, um, you know, we would do, we began making investments in videos, uh, and those stories are really more around let's meet who's behind the company. And again, I think for, at least in my world now, it feels like sort of a, um, a foregone conclusion that one would do that, but um, I need to keep in mind that not everyone's a marketer. So I want the audience to understand really coming back to who's behind the company, why are you doing what you're doing? And that's really, and, and, and how and how does that then help people get what they need to get done, which is what the benefit of the product or service is. And so when, when, we, when we stayed true to that, and all the while the product kept iterating, right, there was always improvement, improvement, and you're never really done with that. But, but, um, but as those two things came together, we began to, we began to really, you know, cross the chasm and, and have, uh, and have opportunities that we wouldn't have otherwise. You know, we began to have relationships with analysts uh, in the space. Uh, our, our annual user conference, which is something that was under my domain, had a team that would work on that. Went from 300 people to it was like our annual conference that people would come to Phoenix. Um, all of our customers and, and press and influencers. And when I began, um, when I took that over, we had 300 people. Then it was 600 people. Then it was, you know, 1,000 people. And then soon enough, um, in FusionCon this last year, we had um, uh, well over 3,000, uh, moving more towards 4,000 people in town just because they love, breathe, and want to be around this community called Infusionsoft. And um, I'm really proud of that. And that really came down to people knowing, our customers knowing that we care in how we develop the product, in how we market it, and how we message it, and the kind of experiences that we're creating. Um, when customers first come on board and use the product, you know, they work with someone to help implement them. You know, that, all those things coming together. So yeah, I think the job of marketing is not on an island. It really is marketing, it's product, it's sales, it's customer service. And when those things come together, you can see the kind of growth and success that companies like Infusionsoft and you know so many other amazing software companies are experiencing. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of other specific examples. Well, uh, would you like me to go the, on? No, one of the questions that I want to ask is that um, can you give some realistic steps that somebody can take to create community around their product or service? Because it's not always like the easy. Um, easily seen thing to do, like okay, Infusionsoft is a is a customer relations relationship software, and it's a technology that businesses use, and they interact with it, and they you know pay their monthly fee in order to use it. That doesn't seem like very community friendly to me, but you guys have created a community, and it shows up in your numbers of people who show up for your conference. So, you know, mm-hmm. what what's the, what are some real steps that you have taken in order to help build a community around a product? Well, I'll tell you one one of the things that we did earlier on, and I'm, I'm when when I looked at at least companies in Arizona, we were one of the first to really kind of double down uh, when it came to social media. Again, now it's just an assumption that you'll be engagement in social media, but for us, we began to make investments. I began to build a team that was focused on how do we, how do we not, how do we, how do we begin to um, add to our view that the phone is one way to communicate and that online is another. And so we began to leverage Twitter and Facebook, um, really, really those two areas, and then also begin to create an online, an actual online community um, where customers could, could engage and partners could engage and I, and I think the way we were able to do that was really just take a chance and start and really not frankly know exactly what we were doing 
and we just went for it. And and the strategy began to make more sense as we saw where were our customers, and we needed to make sure that we were there. And so we identified those platforms where they were, and as well, uh, so 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 we began to have conversations online, and um, and really forming a place where people could come and share their grievances. You know, we would have on our Twitter handle, people would have issues. Maybe the product, maybe the Maybe the app was down or, or a recent release had some bugs in it, you know, whatever, which is common. <clears throat> and we created a place where, in addition to the phone, you could reach us in other ways, and someone would always be there to answer your call, right? And so within Calm, we began to build the social media function. That hadn't been the case up in, for, this, for the first, uh, you know, probably seven years of the company. Um, the, other, the other way we did that as well was, how do we get to users? How do we get to our tribe, the people that love us, and the people that like us, that we know could love us, you know, those that are using it, how do we get to them where they are? Not everyone can afford to hop on a plane, you know, because if you, if you keep in mind our customer, they're going to be a smaller business. They may not be able to afford the time or the, or the investment required to come out to us. So we began, so one of the things we did in the first couple years of, uh, of my joining the company was we started um, a local movement. And that local movement was around education. And so I had people in some key markets that, um, that were there to educate people on this new way of doing sales and marketing. So what we had was an education challenge. It's not just CRM. It's really, what do you want to do with your business? And do you realize how once you get your marketing automated, and you have it organized and then automated, and you get your sales and marketing connected in an online fashion, it can create magic for your business to really take it to the next level. So through this, through this local effort of education of events, you know, small events, we're talking 20, 30, 40, 50 people done with local chambers, with the local small business association, finding key partners in local markets. Ironically, it, it, it really took my BizAZ experience of local, really owning local, and applying it to, to, um, to the growth of a software company. So we focused on education and then also created user groups. How do we bring customers together who can share information, teach each other, you know, cool things that they're doing, ways that they're saving money, um, ways that they're, uh, you know, doubling and quadrupling conversion rates when it comes to um, launches that they're doing online. So we began to create those user groups to where now I think we've got user groups in, in, uh, in at least every state. And, of course, some of the larger states we've got, you know, multiple. Um, I think the user group program is at least at around maybe – you know, 40 or 50, 40 or 50 um, uh, gatherings, and those are gatherings that are happening each month. So I think something um, to keep in mind, I don't know if you've heard the phrase, a thousand true fans. So, so it really comes down to who are your true fans? And, and rather than trying to, to, to market to everyone, market to a slice that you can own. Infusionsoft strategy was in the beginning information marketer, and we really went deep into that market. And once we owned that, and it wasn't until we really owned that market that we began to expand to more mainstream kind of more mainstream businesses that maybe didn't didn't have the exact kind of approach like an information marketer does from an online marketing expertise, right? And right. so and so I think that's really super important. Figure out what market you're gonna be speaking to and make sure that they become your true fans and that you can really go deep and own that market before you go into into expanding the pie to even larger. Because if you start with the big pie, you're not talking to anybody. 
Mm. So you really need to develop that 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 love and that tribe initially, and really own that before you can even think to go um, to go and expand that. Kathy, it's very, very obvious you know your stuff in this space. It's very obvious you are so passionate about what you did with Infusionsoft. Why did you take the step out last year? Because you you made a very definitive step that, hey, I'm going into the unknown. I'm going to do my own thing. What? Why did you do that? You know, it was a really hard decision. It was something that... Um my view is 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 if you want to if you want to do the work and complete and, and really finish what you had set out to do, and when it came to my role there, I felt as though I was ready to move on and I and I was and I completed what I needed to complete, and so I'd come off of you know again we had our funding we had completed two acquisitions I had a team that I had built and the company was really at a at a great place. I mean, we had we had a New York Times bestselling book at the time, um, a couple of years prior. You know, we just, I felt like I had done everything that I was looking to do at the company. And could I have continued there? Sure. Um, but, you know, I'll be perfectly honest, what it really came down to was I began to look at my role, and as I would get in the car for my 30-mile commute, um, you know, each way, and I just wasn't excited. And, and I looked at it and thought, okay, am I doing this just for the paycheck? And I found myself feeling more and more the answer to that was yes. And it wasn't it wasn't the fault of the company per se because I do consulting with them now. Um, I have some of my some of my favorite people still work there, and I'm a shareholder, so I care a lot about the company. But for me, and I and I'm and I'm proud of myself. I feel like it was a brave moment. And the night before, I was going to be going to let everyone know, let um, let Clayton and my my colleagues know that I was leaving. And husbands can be such shitheads when they do this. But even the night before, he's like, are you sure you want to do this? I'm like, dude, this is really scary and it's a big decision. You should be telling me, you know, go ahead, do it. Follow That's the moment when you just pat the head and you're like, good job, babe. Good job. Whatever you need, babe, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and, and, and he was like that, but I think he also freaked out, like, because I, because I wasn't leaving to, I wasn't leaving to go into another role. Right. There's really not another company that I can imagine working in. I was ready to move on and go back into being an entrepreneur and working on things that I really cared about. So what I found, and I think what a lot of people um, think about, right, but, me, but, but, but are sort of on the sidelines and not sure how to, how to take action. You know, I wasn't reckless. Saved up, saved up money. You know, we have a daughter, and so I wasn't going to be reckless. My husband's an entrepreneur, and so, so, so for us, that was really important um, to make sure that that, that, that was in place. Once I knew that was in place, it was like, you know, this mission, the mission that Infusionsoft is on, it's awesome, but it's it's not the mission that I want to be on in my life. And so I feel like I, I, I left I left on a high note. Um, I didn't wait till sort of um, anything jumped the shark, and I'm and I'm thrilled because because people that were on my team have now moved up into roles of leadership, and that's because of the space that I opened up. So I think often you want to think about is is there somebody else that wants this more than I do? And that's kind of the way I felt. I'm like, well, I don't want to be taking up space. I want people, I want that abundance to happen for others. So made the decision. Um, what's kind of crazy is divine intervention, and I'm, I'm spiritual, and I'm very, um, I just believe that there's this, that there's this flow and this energy in this world, um, that the universe has its way. So the day that I announced that I was leaving Infusionsoft, um, my, mother, my mother had been having increasing fatigue for a few weeks. And the doctors were just really slow at figuring out what it was. And um, and this is the, uh, 
think it was about a week before, she had had an appointment to um, at a hematologist, and so we knew that there was a blood disorder. We didn't know what it was. So she happened to have her bone marrow biopsy on the same day that I was announcing that I was leaving. And um, the day that I had announced that I was leaving was the day that I got the call that my mother um, had terminal leukemia. And so it's crazy. I mean, and by the time that they found it that day, 50% of her blood was was cancer, leukemic. And so so she she was literally dying. And so I got the call, rushed. She lived about 45 minutes for me in Sunsley Grand, which is um, with the retirement community. And she's a young 73, and just an amazing, amazing woman. Um, I don't have siblings. My parents are divorced um, more recently, like eight years ago. So she's my person. Like, she's my best friend. And um, so so began five months of my life with her, supporting her and taking care of her. So the sabbatical that I had in mind, all the travel that I had had in mind, just the detox that I had in mind, of, you know, just sort of unwrapping, unpacking from this, like, crazy, hectic, high-intensity life that I was leading in this fast-growth, you know, venture-backed company, um, none of that, well, it happened in a very different way. And I'm forever grateful that I didn't wait to leave. I'm forever grateful that the timing of it was exactly the way that it should have been. And unfortunately, um, we didn't get more time despite trying the chemo to buy some more time. Um, we knew she wasn't going to live long, but we thought we could get some time, more time with her where she wouldn't need transfusions. And um, anyway, so uh, she, it's actually last weekend, it was a year ago that she uh, that she died. Wow. And and so for me, last year was a really big, was a big year um, in a lot of change. And so this uh, beginning with January was kind of the beginning of my January this year was the beginning of uh, that point at what I had imagined I would be at when I first stepped out of Infusionsoft. Right. So um, I've got real excitement and passion just around what the future looks like. And, you know, ever since uh, facing the mortality of losing, I've never lost anyone like that. And so facing the fact that you can die and while it's in the right order, you know, she's my mom, she's supposed to die before me. Every day I have this sense of what am I gonna what am I gonna do today as though it's my last day. And it really drives me. Um, and I'm not afraid of death anymore like I think I was before. And so now it's really just um, get my ass in gear and do as much as I possibly can to have an impact on the world before I die, whenever that's gonna be. Yeah. Well, and I, I really appreciate you sharing that because I think it's really important to hear that, you know, you're really still in the space of trying to figure it out and, and kind of going with your gut on things that you're very interested in and very passionate about, all while having this underlying understanding that you're really you're really here to make a big difference. And, you know, you're you're this vehicle for, you know, this this energy to move through and, and to really make a difference in this world. And um and what great timing, you know, to basically kind of take the step out so that you really could be with your mother. I think that's wonderful. Isn't that crazy? I just, I look back and I just, I think, wow, how does, how the world works. It's really easy to, when, when, when bad things happen, it's easy to say, gosh, why did that happen to me? And, and, um, I've been doing a lot more, re- like just so much more reading and investment in, in my, in my, um, just in my knowledge of a wide variety of topics and really digging into just, more of the spiritual and sort of self-improvement side of, um, of myself. And it's really not about bad things happening to you. They're really happening for you. And once I got out of the grief of losing my mom, um, wow, it kicks her ass. Like, I didn't think it would kick my ass as much as it did. And it really took me 
along. It took me several months to get through it, and I did, and I'm so glad I gave myself that time to grieve and not being focused on, oh, my God, I should be doing this, I should be doing that, which, by the way, was my life before, you know, and you kind of look back and you say, what were the things I was doing to sort of look a certain way and to, you know, prove to your parents or prove to whoever that you're kick-ass and that you can get it done and, and even to yourself and this idea of, like, self-worth right. and and your worth is tied to what you do and what you produce versus you are, you are worth your worth is not tied to that. Your worth is just simply because you're a human, just because you're on this planet. And um, this last 12 months has literally given me like an MBA in that to where I'm less concerned about what my title is, less concerned about what people think about me. I used to really care what people thought about me, and now I could really give a shit. <laughs> you know? And that's and that, I think, especially for women, can be really freeing. And so, and so specifically, what I'm really excited about and focus on now in this next chapter is um, it's a lot of things. And so I think that the, 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 top, the top areas that I really want to have impact and that I'm doing work around is, um, is relaunching com as a place where I share and I teach and I just get radically honest about um, being courageous, about being courageous in life and stepping up to be a leader in whatever way you want. Um, but really being a leader and what that looks like. And what I've found in my experience is working with lots of women who I've become a coach for in helping them navigate um, high-stakes conversations, situations where they know what they want to do, they're just too afraid to ask, they don't believe in themselves enough. By the way, these are all women that are rock stars, you know. And so for them to, like, not be sure and be a little kind of fearful or, or be hesitant to engage in something that they view as a confrontation, um, I've had so much fun in just kind of unpacking that for them and helping them understand when you're looking to get what you want, it's a mindset shift, and there's also strategy and tactics that you need to employ. And so I'm doing um, coaching around this, helping women with um, conversations that they're about to engage in, like getting a raise or promotion or um, starting a business um, or even getting, or, or uh, bringing a deal together, right? So how to do that so you can get what you want. And, um, and so kathysax.com is a place where I share my stories, I share what I'm seeing in the world, and um, I, I'm, I'm thinking about writing a book as well around this topic because I want to find a way to scale it because I can't have, you know, conversation after conversation. There's only so many hours in the day. Um, maybe opening it up for kind of more of a wider coaching program and then also um, um, a book around that. Um, and then, and then there's also an area that I'm really passionate around, which is women-led startups, specifically in tech, because we're just really an underrepresented uh, gender in that area. Um, and I'm really fired up about this topic because I just came back from a women in tech conference this week in San Francisco, where I got to hear from really the VP of engineering of Nest and the CMO, Kathy Savitt of Yahoo, and the VP of data for Jawbone and the former director of engineering for Facebook, really interesting, kick-ass women who, um, who are taking chances and really advocating for themselves and doing really great work. So in this area, I'm, I've, I've become an angel and an advisor to women-led startups. And I'm, I'm really interested in helping other people follow their dreams and, um, and interested in helping, helping be a part of that and also excited about the possibility 
for making money in that, right? Because at the end of the day, I'm I'm interested in making money and I'm interested in making a difference. So my litmus test is really around investing in companies that have ideas, that are businesses that have um, that have a positive outcome. Um, maybe in some cases it's a neutral outcome, but definitely none of them would have a negative outcome. So it's this sort of social impact idea. Um, that's something that I think business just, when is business going to shift to a place where any business that has a negative outcome should just no longer be rewarded for being in operation, right? Unfortunately, the world market doesn't necessarily work that way. Not right. yet. Right. Hmm. Well, Kathy, I just really, I'm, I'm so thankful that you were here to really share your entire journey and your entire story and all the great things that you've done and all the challenges that you've been through um, that have really brought you to where you are today. I just really want to thank you. And I know that no matter where your full energies go, I know it's just going to be huge and massive and it just bring a lot of happiness to you. So thank you so much for being here. Thanks. I really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. bizwomenrock.com forward slash 120 is where you will find all of the show notes for today's conversation with Kathy, um, who was just amazing. You know, I can't say this enough, but what a tremendous gift and honor it is for me to be in this seat and literally be able to have these one-on-one conversations with just some of the most savvy businesswomen and have the opportunity to be able to share that with you. I mean, that's just so just makes my heart sing. I just absolutely love it. And I thank you so much for being here and for listening to these stories and just um, allowing them to impact your life. I, I know I say this a lot, but I just really do. It just, it means so much to me that you're here and you're listening. So I want to thank you so much for listening today. I will see you on the next episode.